Hey, good morning, everyone. Y'all doing okay? Look at your neighbor, tell him I'm glad you came today. Glad you came. Look at your other neighbor and tell him you know you needed this. How's everyone doing today? All right. Fired up today. Tomorrow we leave for camp and I get to go with them. Some of you are like, I wish I could go. You'd be there for a few hours and be like, how do y'all do this? It's going to be so exciting. Um, Man, I'm excited about today. I have a word I want to share. First and foremost, though, let's, let's show some some respect and some love for Pastor Andre for that message last Sunday. Man. That brother came and mowed it down up in here. He had a few lines in there that we were like, what is that? I was sitting by Miss Mona. She was taking deep breaths. She was like, what did you say? Anniversary yesterday, huh? 34? 33? 34. 34 years. Come on, man. Let's go. 34. All right. All right. We coming. We coming for you. All right. Let's jump into the word of God today. Hebrews chapter 11. Got a few verses I want to share with you today. I'm going to attempt to teach today. Good luck. Probably won't finish this message, which is okay. We can finish the rest next Sunday or the Sunday after or something like that. We'll see. We're in this series right now called Redefined, and I feel such a burden to redefine the truths of God's Word to this generation and for the generations to come. Uh, I think people have an awareness of God, and they know a little bit about Him, but my concern is, do we really know God? And y'all do know there's some stuff happening in our world today that is accelerating, Immorality is accelerating at a faster pace than ever, and it's becoming more normal and common and more accepted. And the sad part is, as believers, the church, the only reaction they have is outrage. Instead of understanding of the principles of the Word of God that help to sustain you through all of the storms, through all of the confusion that the world may throw at you. Amen? And I believe that the Lord is calling us to faithfulness. Doesn't sound fancy, I know. But the Lord is calling us as the body of believers to faithful living. Faithful even under persecution. Faithful even though there's a lot of confusion. Faithful even though there are storms. Faithful even though people are doing things that make you just say, what in the world? Can I get an amen? Okay. So I want, I want us to look into the scripture today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And today we're going to redefine faith. Redefine faith. Such a broad topic. But today I want to bring it home. Redefine faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I want to read this out of the Amplified Bible. This is a version of the Bible that gives some definitions of words within the text. I think it's very good to have this because it kind of breaks it down for you as you go. Now, it can be deep, but deep can be good, too. I don't like swimming in a kiddie pool. I want to get all the way wet, not just splash my toes around. It's hot out there, y'all. 
and the world's hot. We need some deeper pools. Amen. All right, let's dive in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance. It didn't say insurance. It said assurance, which is the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, but the conviction of their reality. Watch this. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Meaning I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. I can't feel it. But I still believe it. See, there's a difference whenever you have that kind of faith compared to a person that just has an opinion about a belief. And I feel like in our world, we got a lot of opinions about beliefs rather than true beliefs. Because if you got a real belief, it'll be practiced and not just debate it. Can I get an amen there? Okay, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, and it is impossible, say impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith. That right there will mess with you because we all thought it was like good behavior. Well, if you got faith in God, you're going to get some good behavior and so many other things. But so many times we're just trying to get good behavior when we need to have faith in God. It's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those. Say reward. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. I ain't talking about Coles bucks, y'all. None of this Coles cash. You know what I'm saying? None of this BOGO from Publix. I'm talking about, come on, man, a reward from the Heavenly Father. Come on now. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Is it okay to read the Bible to y'all? Come on. Romans 10, verse 17. It says, so faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. A lot of people are hearing news. They're hearing news. And believe it or not, the news you hear is going to affect what you believe. It will. And if you're not tuning into the good news, you're going to believe some stuff. Amen? If all you tune into is that news, can I say them? Like Fox News and CNN News and MSNBC or the Tallahassee Democrat, God bless them, all these people. People got jobs to do. I get it. But you need to tune into the good news. Amen. Okay. Let's come back home now. James chapter 2, verse 17 through 20. Get a little loose up here. It's summertime. Pastor Andre last week kind of paved the way. Gonna have fun. James chapter 2, verse 17 through 20. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. The part in that I really like is where it says it produces. Faith produces some good deeds. Now, someone may argue some people have faith. And others have good deeds. I'll, I'll compare. Some people will say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a practical person. I'm just not spiritual. You've said it. You've heard it said before. I want you to know faith is a spiritual thing with practical results. You have to know that. And you can't just go practical. Listen, you worship in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said. How do you worship? In spirit and in truth. That means I got to get spiritual. Not weird. Look at your neighbor and say, please don't get weird on me. 
<laughs> Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm praying for you. <laughs> oh, I love this. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Watch this. Good for you. I didn't write this. I'm just reading it. Don't throw rocks at the guy reading, okay? Watch this. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Let's pray. Jesus, today, let this be more than just a topic. Let this become the reality of who we are and how we live. So, Lord, today, I pray our ears will be open, not just to hear a preacher, but to hear what you're trying to say straight to our hearts. And I pray, Father, that we will receive your word and let it just produce good things in our lives. God, I ask for the help to share this today. Let it be effective. Let it be life-changing. I pray, God, that we will be counted as faithful. That we won't just say we have faith, but that we will live our faith out loud in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Uh, I went to an eighth grade graduation <laughs> one time, and uh, it wasn't my daughter. She just graduated from eighth grade uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, super cool time, by the way, graduating from eighth grade, going to high school. How many of y'all remember going to high school? How many of y'all done forgot all that? <laughs> um, anyway, at the end of the graduation, uh, you, you hear the little piano start to play, and uh, they're going into Don't Stop Believing by Journey. And it doesn't take long. I mean, I could lead you in this song right now, and we would all start singing it. Some of you would pull out cigarette lighters and be like, oh, I'm in church. I'm in church. I'm put that down. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? Like, you, when you hear that, it's just like, let's go, let's go. And you're like, don't stop believing. You know, you know what I'm saying? How many of y'all air drum in the car? You, you're playing drums on the steering wheel. Still got a graduation tassel hanging from the rear view as your crash cymbal. Let's go. Anybody doing a little guitar solo at the red light? I do it, man. I ain't gonna lie. It's something about that song, though. And you hear it, man, it just feels good, the chorus part. You know what I'm saying? The rest of it a little questionable, but the chorus part's really good. And, and don't stop believing. And, and I want you to know that every one of us in here, we want to believe. You do. You want to believe. It started when we were kids. In fact, childlike faith is the best. Can I tell you? Childlike faith is better than theologian faith. Because it's so pure. It's so innocent. You tell a kid one thing that you just might probably possibly do this summer. Just hint. Maybe you're negotiating behavioral terms in a restaurant. Because they are losing their mind on you in the restaurant. And you promise them for some reason that, you're, that you may possibly, if they're good, bring them somewhere this summer. And they all of a sudden bring it together and start acting like the golden child that you have raised. But on the ride home, they want to know if we are going there now. 
Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Because they just hear a glimpse of a word. I'll give you one. Disney. You could be saying, I do not like Disney. But they just hear Disney. And they just know. They're telling all their friends. They're four years old, but they're telling all their friends on the playground at the bottom of the slide. We're going to Disney. And you didn't say that. But they believe that. They just have every ounce of faith in their being that just believes that this is what we're going to do. And you can tell them things like not today. And it doesn't even shatter them because they know that it's coming. They just believe it's going to happen. And then they grow up and they experience life and they start living and they don't believe like they used to. Because now they know it doesn't work the way I thought it worked. And when it comes to believing God, he wants us to come to him like a child. But we act like adults when it comes to faith. But sometimes we act like children when it comes to behavior. Ooh, kick the tires a little bit there. Come on now. But we want to see God do things. We want to see him work. But we got this adult faith that is dysfunctional because it's been affected by the things that have hurt us, the things that we have seen, the things that we've heard from the other news networks. And sometimes that's not on TV. That's the circle that we run in. You know what I'm saying? And so we got access to all this stuff that's affecting the way we approach life and the way that we believe and add into it the cultural influences and the elements that are being presented to us and bombarded to us on a constant basis. People don't even know what they believe anymore. They don't know what to believe anymore. They hear this opinion. They hear that opinion. Everyone has a platform now because we have these devices that give you a voice on social media and anybody who's following you can hear anything that you want to say. And sometimes it's messed up what you say. You know what I'm saying? And people are sharing all this stuff, and we just don't even know what to believe anymore. And we're raising children in an environment where we're not even sure with our faith as adults, as parents, and we're expecting them to know what they believe as kids. And whenever they start doing things that don't fit the context of what we would like them to be, we start freaking out. And now we got to run to the phone booth, put on our Superman suit, and try to save the day when we already got a savior. So I want to I talk about faith a little bit today because it's such a broad word. In fact, it's so broad that it's become vague. Everyone has faith in something. Everyone has faith in someone. And you can see this because there's so many religions throughout the world. Am I right? So many denominations all across the world. There's so many opinions, preferences, motivations, whenever it comes to a belief system. In fact, many people's faith is more shaped by their opinions and their preferences than it is by the church. It, I, I like to call it a buffet of belief. You've heard me say that before. Where we walk down the line, oh, I like that, I'll take some of that. I don't like that. That's that broccoli kind of faith. I don't eat that. That ain't coming in my, no, not in my life. No, 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 no. I like that chocolate faith. I like the sweet candy faith, the sugar faith. You know what I'm saying? And we go through and we pick up all these different things that we like or that we would like it to be. And we create our own customized faith system only to find out later on in life because it's going to get tested. 
when you face the storm, am I, are we still going to stand? Are we like, well, what are we building the marriage on? Are we building it out of all the things that we like to do? Or is there a principle that has stood the test of time? And so when the storm comes and the house begins to fall, we can't understand why. It's because the things that we're trying to build on aren't proven. There aren't certain. They're just preferences. They're just opinions. Pop culture says it doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you believe in something. And I want you to know it does matter what you believe in. It really, really does matter what you believe in. And even with all the best intentions, we've been taught to believe in ourselves. And this is a danger zone right here because it's like, Pastor Wade, don't you dare tell me not to believe in, my, in myself. I am the best version of me ever. And it don't take long for us to get to the worst version of ourselves. Get in traffic. You live in Tallahassee. This traffic here ain't bad. Don't complain. We've lived other places where it's nuts. Just nuts. And you see things come out of the sweetest people that you never knew was in there. Was that grandma? Did she have one finger in the air? What is going on here? I'm telling you, you can believe in yourself all day long. You got some stuff in you. Just have a child. Seriously, man. Can I just say this? Your kids are helping you become the best you you will ever be. Without them, you couldn't be as great as you are. Can I get an amen from some kids up in here? Come on. Some of y'all need to call your mama today and apologize. Some of you be like, you ain't, you ain't that good without me, mama. <laughs> um, so we, we've been taught to believe in ourselves. And I know you got to have some self-confidence, but you better believe in more than just yourself because you're not as consistent as you would like to be. And you're only as powerful as you are. Because there are a lot of things you can't stop. It's going to take God to stop it. We love these feel-good stories, stories about fate. Fate and taking chances and everything working out. We, we love those stories. And if we're not careful, we will think that faith is fate. And there's a difference there. And I think these are some of the reasons why faith has become so vague. In fact, faith has almost become like wishful thinking. I wish this would happen. And if I wish hard enough, maybe it will. And it's, it's sad whenever, as believers, we have a number of years under our belt following Jesus, and we're still living in wishful thinking. And perhaps some of this message may feel a little corrective, and that's okay. Because uh, when we're going the wrong direction to get somewhere, it's good to be corrected so we can get there. Am I right? As long as the correction comes out of love. I mean, we're not going to slam anybody. We want to help you to get there. But it also should be encouraging. Because there are parts of your faith that you're taking steps in that you don't even realize, but you're working. You're working your faith. You're actually stepping into what God has for you. And there are other areas where we're not. We're not stepping. We're struggling. Amen? 
And so I want to share some things today just to help us to get some good foundation. Because I think if we get a good foundation, we're going to be able to stand and make it through anything. Amen? So let's redefine faith for a believer. It's not just believing something, but it's believing and trusting in God. Because you can ask people, do you have faith? Yeah, my faith is this and my faith is that. No, no, no. I'm not asking you, do you have faith? I'm saying, who is your faith in? This is a who question, not a what question. Okay? Because faith that is an idea is not proven. But faith in a person like Jesus Christ has been proven. And it has stood the test of time. And it is a perfect example. Amen? Because he endured He stayed true to the word. He followed everything his father said. And yes, he was crucified, but it was with intent so that you and I could be forgiven. And oh, by the way, he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected from the dead. Amen. And it's still going today. He established his church. It's still going. Amen. It is still going. And so faith in a person. So the faith that I want to talk about is believing and trusting in God. Now, here's what you need to know, because I've heard people just say this before. I just don't have faith, Pastor Wade. And that is not true. You do have faith because you are believing something. You are believing in something or you are believing in someone. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it tells us that each of us were given a measure of faith. Everyone in here, you were given a measure of faith. And guess who gave it to you? God gave you a measure of faith. And he gives you that faith so that you can believe in him. But you get to choose what you're going to do with that faith. Now, if I gave you $100 right now, some of you are like, amen, bless the Lord. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, if I gave you $100 and said, hey, use this wisely. I know some people in here that would not use it wisely. They would go to these little stores and buy meaningless things that find its way into the junk drawers of our kitchen. $100 worth. Then there are others that will take that $100 and use it wisely. And as they use it wisely, that $100 will continue to produce for them over and over and over again. And there's a lot of people when it comes to the measure of faith that they have been given, sometimes they just don't use it wisely. And so when the real life situations come... They feel like they don't have faith. They have squandered their faith on meaningless things instead of investing their faith in the real thing. Amen? And if you invest it, it's going to grow. Okay? So we were given a measure of faith. So let's say it like this. God gave us a seed of faith so that we would choose to believe and trust in him for our salvation and for our right living. You cannot live right without God. You can try to be good, but you cannot be good without God. Because only God is good. Amen? And so good behavior cannot be the only litmus test of faith. It can be a litmus test. But it's not the only litmus test. Because people can discipline themselves to do good things. We've seen that. But just because you do good things doesn't mean necessarily that you are good. Because in us, just like you got a seed of faith, you got a potential to sin. And some of us have seen it before. You ever had something going in your family and say, what in the world are these people doing? 
You ever seen your kids do something before? What are they doing? Where are you getting this from? It's those friends at that school. No. Kids, you ever seen your parents do some things before? It's like, what are they doing? Kids are like, I ain't saying nothing. This is, gonna, this is a trap. This is a trap. <laughs> Pastor Wade, leave us alone. So watch this. We all have a theology and we all have a doctrine. Can I, can I use those words on you today? You do. You have a theology, which is your belief about God. You, you have created that through the years of living. Some of it came from some good sources. Some of it came from some less credible sources. Let's say it that way. Some of it came from your own conclusions of what you saw happen and what you didn't see happen. That time in the eighth grade where you prayed God would give you an A on that test so you wouldn't be grounded all summer and you wound up with a C. And all of a sudden it's God's fault. It's not his fault. That's on you. And all the teachers said, amen. amen. It's amazing how we build our theology. Do you know that even atheists who don't believe in God, even they have a theology? And they got to work to maintain it because all they have to do over and over is prove that there is no God. That's a lot of work because he's everywhere. He is, and he is incredible. And so it's this game. That, so even an atheist has a theology. And you have a theology as well. And the question is, where does your theology, your belief about God, where is it coming from? What is the authorized, authoritative source that you are using to determine your theology? The next word, doctrine. Your doctrine is a set of beliefs that you adhere to. Okay? And so, yes, a church can have a doctrine, Different denominations can have their doctrines, but so do individuals because we've all been in the place and all of us have done this. Well, I think that's good that Pastor Wade taught that, but what I believe is this. I mean, that's fine that he believes that. Hey, because hey, you do you, boo. You know what I'm saying? And like all these different things. And don't do that, by the way. <laughs> don't do you, do like him. That's how we get in trouble, by doing our own thing. Anyway. Um, our doctrine, though, is the set of beliefs that we have come up with. And a lot of times it's according to our convenience, our preference, the way we would like for it to be. And it's amazing how, and I, and I, and I want to say this because i got to bring some reality to it. Whenever we face a crisis in our lives, it is amazing how spiritual we want to become. And clean up everything that we should have been living the whole time. We want to start going to church. We want to start doing this. Oh, i got to get in the Word. And I think all of that is great. And if you're in a crisis right now, do those things. But I'm also saying don't wait for the crisis to get spiritual. Let's live spiritual in faith all the time so that when the crisis comes, you're not freaking out. Because you got a foundation. Amen? And your theology is important. Your doctrine is important. And in the world that we're living in, it's like all of these things are becoming liquid now. It's just all over the place. 
And people are coming up with their own ideas of who God is and what he's like. And if you want to see a good representation of what happens with that, go read Romans chapter 1. Because people started doing some wicked things when they came up with their own version of God that is paralleling with our world today. It is happening, man. And so your theology is so important, so is your doctrine. And listen, if your doctrine is just your doctrine and there's nobody else in your doctrine, there's questions that have to be answered about that. Amen? I know God made us all unique, and it's like he customized us when he created us. But the beliefs are not customized. They are not. Amen? So where do you get your theology, and what do you base your doctrine on? As followers of Jesus, and I I just wanted to say this straight, clear, and with no bells and whistles. As believers and followers of Jesus, our theology and doctrine is based on the Word of God. Not opinions about the Word of God, the Word of God. Can you hear an amen? 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 And our belief is that God is good. He is so good. He's so much better than what you think, by the way. He is so good, God is love. In fact, you can't have love without God. Try it, it ain't going to work. Only God can give you the kind of love that you're looking for. Love is of God, and it is God. Amen? God is also just. God is just. You say, well, I I just want him to be fair. He is more than fair. Because fair, there's compromise in it. Just, it's right. And I'll just say it this way. God is right all the time. And he doesn't even have an ego about it. We do. And we're wrong most of the time. But we think we're right. So we're like, I'm right. You ain't right. I'm right. Shut down the ego, man, because you're wrong for saying that. Amen? God is also merciful. In fact, you have never seen mercy till you've seen God's mercy. Amen? God is grace. God can do miracles. Uh, We celebrate Easter back in April. You know, we would say God can do the resurrection thing. He can raise people from the dead. That's true that he could do that, but he is resurrection. Like, your, your theology has to become more than just what he does. It's seeing who he is. Uh, Let me say it like this. God is all-powerful. In fact, people can't have power without God. Think of that. The authority that we, we want to have in different roles, you can't have it without God. God is all knowing. He knows. Listen, you think he doesn't know stuff about you? He knows. He knows. All that stuff. All of it. Even that thing. He knows. And he knows all that. And guess what? He still loves you. Because he's that good. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. And guess what? He's not just sitting up in heaven all by himself waiting for us to get it right. He's all over the place. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So he could get all over everywhere with you. Amen. You can't get away from him. Stop running. There's people running from God. You burn a lot of energy. You're running the wrong way. Because you won't get away. 
I remember years ago, I was with a friend of mine, and we went to see a movie, and he was running from God. <laughs> and in the movie, it was a Jim Carrey movie, okay? Let's date me a little bit. And in the movie, he's personifying this character, and he says, repent, and thou shalt be saved. And the dude looks at me, and he says, are you kidding me? He says, I can't even go to the movies without hearing that. God is after you. He wants you. He leaves the 99 to look for the one. See, I got to tell you all these things because our theology has been so twisted into an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Amen? And that all the bad things that are happening in your life is God's punishment to you to try to get you to come to him. And that's not how it works. The Bible tells us it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And the, TV, the, the little TV preachers and the street preachers that stand up and threaten us, repent or you're going to go to hell. That was not what he preached. He started preaching by saying, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, change so that you can have heaven instead of going to hell. That sounds pretty good. It sounds really, really good, and it just doesn't fit the description that has been passed off to us from generations in the past that was just trying to manipulate behavior and never, ever got to the heart. See, we're caught up with looking good and sounding good on the outside, but we look like a mess on the inside. And I, I see people do it all the time where they want to sound more spiritual or talk religious and use a different type of language that sounds more biblical. Listen, you can sound biblical and live like hell. Amen? I'd rather you be nice to somebody and not know the scripture reference than to know the scripture reference and just treat everybody like garbage. Amen? This is the world that we live in, and it's not just the culture out there. It's even in church culture. It's even in church culture where we look down at other people because they don't do it the way that we do it. And we look down at other people because they think that you got to worship by lifting your hands, and I just don't do that, although it's all over the Bible. But I'm an introvert. And I can go into all these different things where we create our own doctrinal belief systems that fit more of our personality and who we've always been rather than fitting who God created us to be. All these things that really are just limitations on us that we've accepted because it's not awkward, it's just more comfortable. Whereas God is saying, hey, the just shall live by faith. And faith always requires some steps, stepping out of some comfort zones. Amen? I'm trying to teach, but here we are preaching. Okay. God is good. Amen? God can save. Let me, let me, let me drop this on you. God can save anyone, even your enemy. The Apostle Paul, see, you, 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 you like him as Paul, but you didn't know him as Saul. Because Saul was the guy that was standing there giving consent for Christians to be murdered. He was moving his way up into the religious leadership ladder. You know what I'm saying? He's moving his way on up. And he's persecuting Christians and feel like he's doing the right thing. And God stops him and saves him and says, hey, you're my guy. 
Can you imagine welcoming him into your church? There's one guy in the Bible that I just so, so appreciate. What's his name? Ananias, who had to lay hands on Saul and pray for him to receive his sight. I think I might have a sword or a knife or something in my pocket whenever Saul comes. Because I don't know if I trust him. I trust the Lord, but I don't trust him. Amen? Amen. See how I did that right there? I trust the Lord, but I don't trust him. So I'm packing. And so I'm going to lay hands on him with one hand, but I I got my other hand. That's a message right there. The other hand. <laughs> Here's the point. God saved their enemy and used him to reach the world. That's how good God is. God can save the enemies. God can heal. He can. He can. Amen. You say, I'm still praying. Keep praying. Me too. But God can heal. God can deliver. I'm still struggling. God can deliver. Still struggling. God can deliver. See, what you're doing doesn't change who he is. Amen? God can provide. He really, really can. I heard testimony from a guy this morning, and he he was praying at our huddle, and this day he started, God, you're a provider. Because God came through and gave him a new job. And he wasn't looking for it. It found him. Ah, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You seen how good God is? And you just thought he was mean. You just thought he was throwing lightning bolts at people, striking them down because they don't live right and all this stuff. God is so much better than what we give him credit for. And your faith has to start with the goodness of God. Amen? Amen? It's got to start there. God can change you. God has a plan for your life. And not just a plan. Listen, so many times our faith in God's plan is, let me see if I like it. God knows your desires better than you do. I promise you. He knows your desires better than you do. And if we would just get to the place where we would say, okay, God, instead of me figuring it out all the time, I'm going to trust you. You see, all of this stuff that I'm saying about God, this isn't just an opinion about him. This is who he is. This is who he was in the Bible. This is who he is. This is who he will always be. Because he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, God's not changing with the times. Because we exist in time. God exists in eternity. Time is just a small piece small piece and sometimes we define all of it by the small piece and that's where we go wrong the small piece that one experience that one thing but there's so much more to him and by the way there's so much more to you amen do you believe that today there's so much more to you his reputation has been documented and passed down from generations before us. And it's been consistent. His word has been consistent. And I'm going to give you one point today, and we're not going to finish. But I feel like this has been really good today. Here's the point that I want to give you today. And I feel like you should make sure you either write it down, put it in your phone. But 
faith isn't just a feeling. It has a foundation. It has a foundation. The word of God is what God says. And it's who Jesus is. So whenever we pick and choose through the Bible, what we like with our buffet of scripture and beliefs, what we're saying is, Jesus, I like this about you, but I don't like that about you. And I'll take some of this, but I don't want some of that. That doesn't work well in relationship, by the way. Those of you who are dating in the dating scene right now, just have a dinner where you say, let's talk about what we like about each other and what we don't like about each other. Let me know how that goes, because you're probably not getting another one. She gone. And I don't blame her. Because when you choose to marry somebody, you're getting all of them and their family. See, that's free right there. That's not included with the message, but I'm going to give you that. You're getting all of them. All of them and their family. Their mama, their dad, that crazy uncle, that sibling. You're getting them all. All their opinions, all their everything. And if we're going to go after God, let's get all of them. And not just the little parts. See, a lot of people say, well, I'll do God, I'll do Jesus, but I don't do that Holy Spirit thing. First of all, Holy Spirit's not a thing. He's a person, and it's God's Spirit. So if you're going to trust God, you've got to get the whole package and not just parts of it. See, we got confirmation from the child. So watch this. Faith isn't just a feeling. It has a foundation. Jesus is the word who became flesh and lived among us. There's what God said, and then God made it come alive. He made what he was saying come alive through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we wouldn't just hear it, but we can see it demonstrated. That's how much God loved you. See, the Old Testament, there was a lot that was said, but there wasn't an example that was given. I don't know about you, but when I was in school, give me an example, let's roll. Don't give me an example, and you want me to go read all of that? Show me. Give me a YouTube video. I could do anything, man. That ain't pride. That's just how I roll. Trust me, ask Cynthia. I'll watch a YouTube video and fix the car. Or sell it. <laughs> just some things you learn, man. But Jesus was, it's like this. The rules, people couldn't follow them. Even the best of the best couldn't follow them. They were breaking them all. Every last one of them. Even in their attempt to try to live right, they were living wrong. Don't believe me? Read the Old Testament. Even the good guys, crazy, crazy. Some of y'all ain't even that crazy, and you didn't make it in the Bible. They did. Crazy stuff. And God said, they need a real-life example. They need a real person. And he couldn't find anybody worthy enough, even though Moses was pretty doggone good, y'all. Prophet Elijah, I mean, that's pretty powerful. But God said, we got to do better than this. And God said, I got an idea. Let's do my only son and let's send him in the flesh so that they can see him, hear him, taste him, touch him, feel him, all these things. And he will go and lead the way. 
Jesus, he fulfills the word of God. In fact, Jesus is the only one that fulfilled all the laws. So some of these people that we trust and say, oh, they got it nailed down and we still iffy about Jesus, they are flawed and he is not. Amen? That author that you read from that bookstore, you don't know them. That's great. I applaud them. They got a book deal, bestseller. Good job for you. But I don't know you. I don't know how you treat your wife. I don't know how you treat your kids. I don't even know if you go to church every Sunday. But there are other people that I know that I see their example. And they may have not written a book, but I see them living the book. Amen. And they may not have the degree or the pedigree, but they got the example because they got the word of God as their foundation. And they're not being motivated by feelings, whether they fluctuate or I just ain't feeling it today. No, they are consistent because they have a foundation in their life. And this is what God is calling you and I to, to have a foundation on his word that is consistent. It is not shifting sands where today I feel like this, so I believe that, or I'm going to college, so I got to adapt my belief system. Amen. Or wait, wait a minute. We're having our first child. So now we got to adapt our belief system to this. No, no, no. We have a belief system and it's built on the word of God and it's in Jesus Christ and it will not change because he doesn't change. Amen. And I'm going to be consistent, consistent with it because he is consistent. So watch this. Faith is more than a feeling. I, I, I feel like, I mean, it, it's, you've got to hear this because so many people, they want feelings and they want experiences. And I love feelings. I'm an emotional person. I get fired up, man. I get so excited about things. And I know we love it. Get fired up. I don't want you to preach, teach, pass away. I want you to preach. Get fired up today because you love the way that it feels. But I need you to know faith is more than feelings. It's so much more than feelings. It's assuring. It's a solid foundation. So watch this. Let's get some godly experiences. This week we're bringing kids to camp. And they're going to have some God experiences. But listen to me, mom and dad. Don't come, when they come home and they start acting like the way they always act, don't start throwing the hole. You went to camp for a week. It didn't change anything in your life. I will stand up here today and correct you before it happens. Don't do that to them. They're just following the examples that's in front of them. I'm serious. I've, as a youth pastor, we saw parents do this all the time. And it's like, you don't want using that kind of language all the time in your house. And you're expecting your kid to go away for four days and come back and transform the whole thing that you've been acting like for 39 years. Boy, I love y'all. <laughs> I just love these kids, man. I do. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in their lives this week. And I'm praying they have God experiences that change them forever. But can I tell you, they need some godly examples. We need some godly examples in the house of God. We do. We need some men and women that say, I will not be shaken by this thing that is happening. And the, uh, the anxiety overload that we are buying ourselves into is because we don't have foundation, man. We don't have foundation. We got opinions on it. We got opinion. We need a foundation and make a decision. This is what I believe. This is what we believe. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. 
Amen? I've made my decision. I'm not backing down. I'm not running around on God seeing what else is out there, leaving my options open. I've closed the door on options. I've got only one that I'm trusting, and his name is Jesus because he is consistent, and I want to be consistent. Amen? I want to be consistent. I want my family to be consistent. I want our church to be consistent. And this is a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith, but it's also a matter of action. What are we doing with our faith? What are we doing with it? I think it's great you got an opinion about James chapter 2. That's great you got an opinion about Genesis chapter 30. That's great that you've read through the Psalms and you're doing exegetical study out of Ecclesiastes. That is fantastic. Do all of that. But be a good example in doing all of that. Amen? And worship the Lord. And follow Jesus. And don't just build up a prideful repertoire of all that you know to try to impress people that you don't even like. Amen? God, i got to preach this because we're just all over the place when it comes to matters of faith. And we get nervous whenever people begin to bring truth because we're not sure how other people are going to take it and we don't want to offend anybody. Listen, it's people aren't afraid of being offended. Let's stop with all of that stuff. People need to know truth. They're looking for clarity. Young people are looking for clarity. We just keep throwing them options. Three years old, eat whatever you want. You don't want to go, okay, you don't have to go to school, baby. It's okay. I know you don't feel your little tummy hurt. No, let's bring some clarity. Anyway, let's come back. School's out. We don't even need to talk about this. I'm just passionate about this, man. I am because I'm I'm, I'm concerned with where we're going in the body of Christ. I'm concerned with the emotional overload. I'm concerned that we can't even get someone who's been in the church for 10 years to lead prayer at the dinner table. I'm concerned that people don't even know how to read their Bible and been in church for 15 years. Like, where do you start, Pastor Way? When there are so many resources online, there's every devotional under the sun, and yet we still don't know what we're doing, and we're wondering, why is my kid doing this? And why are people doing that? It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some time in God's Word. It's going to take some consistency with church, y'all. As you're going on vacation this summer, put it online. Do it. Get your family in the step, the process of doing this. This is what we do. This is who we are. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to help you to see if you want your house, your life to stand in the storm, you got to have some foundation. And it can't just be, do I feel like it today? Honestly, there are times I don't feel like it. Can I get an amen from somebody? I don't always feel like it. But I do it because I know what it yields. Father, today, get a grip on our souls. Come on, stand to your feet today. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Because this isn't a wait and see. Let's see who, who, who's going to respond. This is for you. Father, today, get a grip on our souls. God, I don't want any person in here to feel condemned but I do want them to feel convicted by your spirit that draws them to you, that helps them to see your goodness, your greatness, that helps us to see that your authority is safe. It's not abusive. It's safe. It's pure. It's not an agenda. 
It's your good plan that you have laid out even before we were in the womb. Father, I just pray today for the revelation of who you really are for every person, that we will see your goodness and see your kindness and allow it to draw us to change, Father. Lord, today I pray that minds will be made up that decisions will be made once and for all, that this is what I believe. This is who I believe. I'm following Jesus. I'm not turning back. So Lord, today, let conviction settle in our heart. Let conviction settle in our heart where we decide it's you. It's you, Jesus. Let your word be the foundation of our lives. If you're in this room today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can be religious, but that doesn't mean that you know Jesus in relationship. And the intent that God always had for us was for us to be in relationship with Him. And sin tried to destroy it, but God restored it through His Son, Jesus. He went to the cross to pay the price for the things that we have done wrong so that we could be made right by Him. And today, if you stand here and you know that you're not right with God, and I know most people, they try to do this before they die, but I say do this so you can live. If you know that you are not right with God, I just want you to wave your hand at me discreetly. Just wave your hand at me. Say, I'm not right with God, Pastor Way. Today I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Anyone else would wave their hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not right with God. Someone's been running. You know the truth, but you've been running from God. Today is the day to come back to the Father. I want to lead you in this prayer today. I want to ask you all to repeat it. Say, Dear Lord, Thank you for your love for me. That you, Jesus, would go to the cross and suffer punishment for my sins. That you would pay the price that I should have paid so I could be forgiven. So today I'll make this decision. I put my faith and trust in you as my Lord and Savior and I surrender my life to you I give you all of my life every part of me including my opinions and I choose to follow your ways today I announce you're my Lord you're my Savior thank you for forgiveness forgive me another chance I will live my life for you In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen and amen.